This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. And bond sermon of God and apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and to the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. The apostle Paul, he wanted the church in Crete to come to the full knowledge of the truth and that is by the word of God so that they can live godly lives. And this is the reality, saints. Listen, this is the reality. The more we come to the full knowledge of the truth of the, of the word of God, the full knowledge of the gospel of God, the more godly our lives become. How do we become more godly as humans? In today's message, Pastor Eddie says, the more we read scripture and understand who we are, the more godly we'll become. When you understand who Christ was and who God is, you'll start to understand who you're supposed to be. Without knowing God's character, there's no baseline to how you're supposed to act. Lean into scripture and learn of who God is so that you can live more like Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter one, as he continues his message, Greetings from Paul. Is it based on the sovereignty of God that you were chosen, or is it based on your free will? Which one is it? Did God choose you, or did you choose God? Did God force you to accept him as Lord and personal Savior? No, he didn't. But the Bible said he chose us. Which one is it? First off, we looked at the sovereignty of God. From the foundation, God has chosen you to be his chosen people, just like the Jews, by the way. Just keep that. We want to talk about that. Elect and chosen from the beginning, from the foundation. God knows the beginning and from the end. God has chosen you. And you would say, but wait a minute. I thought I made the decision to accept Jesus Christ. I thought I used my free will. And did not God create me as a free moral agent? Yes, he did from the very beginning. You have the right to choose. It's, it's scriptural, as a matter of fact. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, And if seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose, choose. You have an option. Choose for yourself this day whom you should serve. When Jesus lamented over Jerusalem, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus said, How often I wanted to gather you as children, as a hen gather her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Free will. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, whoever, not chosen, not the elect, whoever desired to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that, who, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, not the chosen, whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the door is open. The reality is that we all sinners. We all need salvation. God created us all. And God's plan was for us to have eternal life in the very beginning. 
So yes, God created us as free moral agents. He didn't create us as robots. He did not force us to accept them. Is anybody was forced to come here to church today? And those of you who are saved, were you forced to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of personal Savior? No, you were not. Free will. But we have the sovereignty of God. God elects and chooses those. So you would say, which one is it, Eddie? Is it the sovereignty of God that has given me eternal life that make me right with God? Or is it my free will? Short answer, both. Long answer, both. <laughs> it's both. And for years, these scholars, and you know, they would be fighting, and, and it's just amazing. You got good scholars on both sides. No, it's the sovereignty of God. Okay, so why should I share the gospel? Why am I going to waste my time on sharing the gospel with someone who's not elect? It doesn't make sense. Peter says, God forbid that any should perish, but that all come to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do any of us understand it? I don't. You don't understand, and neither do I. The doctrine of election. However, just because our finite minds do not understand the word of God and God, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. The reality is, it works. It, scientists have been going crazy to split an atom. They can't figure it out. Even to this day, there's things of science that the scientists cannot figure out. How does a bumblebee fly? Don't know. Technically, it shouldn't be flying with little wings and it's 500 pounds. I don't know. An ostrich is supposed to be a bird, but it outruns a horse. God has a way of blowing our minds, doesn't he? But it works. We don't understand the sovereignty of God, how it works together. They dwell side by side. And they make sense, like two sides to a coin. They work together. God is sovereign, and he has given man a free will. So this doctrine of election, ultimately, an election is based on God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. For who he foreknew... He predestined to be conformed to his image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also would glorify. Justification began in our lives at the cross. Sanctification, we're all being sanctified now as Christians. We're being renewed day by day. Glorification when we get to the very end and, and stand before God. And so, God knows the beginning from the end. And so people who are, who are, are uh, hyper-Calvinist, hyper you know, they think that some were predestined to go to heaven. That means some were predestined to go to hell? No. God forbid that any should perish. And so, if you're going to look at that, the children of Israel before Christ, before Christianity, you had the children of Israel. They were chosen. Were they obedient? Oh, by far. Just like Gentiles. We're not perfect. 
guess what? They were chosen. That means everyone who is a Jew goes to heaven. The only way to go to heaven with a Jew or Gentile is through Jesus Christ. And so the chosen is based on God's foreknowledge. God sees the end from the beginning. It's like when you look at a parade, you know, you're in a parade. Let's say you're the, you had the best seat. You're in the middle. You see this parade coming down. You see the, the, the mayor. You see the, the band leader. And then you see a band. Then you see clowns. And then you see a float. And then you see the very end. And after uh, 40 minutes ago, later, uh, an hour later, you see the end. God is above. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees this parade. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows. But God's plan is that everyone will be chosen. Everyone. But the book of Revelation, the, the book of life in the book of Revelation, that is. The book of life. The names are already written. God knows whose names are written. He knows. So you've been chosen. You may ask, how do I know if I'm chosen? Very easy. Use your free will to be chosen. Choose to be chosen. Very simple. It's like you have this doorway. It says free will. You go through the doorway, chosen. Very simple. If it doesn't make sense, that's okay. A professor said this. If you try to explain election, you will lose your mind. But if you try to explain it away, you'll lose your soul. I don't know how it works, but I know they work very well side by side. I live by faith. The scripture that tells us, you know, we're justified by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, Romans chapter 1 verse 17, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. The just shall live by faith. Abraham, he believed. And he believed without the Bible, before circumcision, before the law, before the Ten Commandments, it was accounted to him as righteous because what? He believed. Now, the belief is not just saying, I believe, or he acknowledged there's a God. That belief is a, it's a little bit broader than that. Everybody knows there's a God. Even atheists, they don't want, they hate to review, but God doesn't believe in atheists, by the way. But atheists, you know, let's put it this way. It is a belief that we have a belief in God. The belief is more than just saying, I acknowledge there was a Jesus. Yeah, he was a nice man in history. But James says, you believe, that's great. But even the demons believe and they tremble. So we know there's not a demon in this, the spiritual realm, all right? In this other dimension of spiritual, you know, principalities. There's not a demon that's an atheist. They tremble. So the belief is based on how you live your life. It begins with Repentance. The first word that Jesus preached, repent, repent. Paul, a bond servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and to the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness. The apostle Paul, he wanted a church in Crete to come to the full knowledge of the truth, and that is by the word of God, so that they can live godly lives. And this is the reality, saints. Listen, this is the reality. The more we come to the full knowledge of the truth of the, of the word of God, the full knowledge of the gospel of God, the more godly our lives become. The more you read the more the Holy Spirit works in your life to bring conviction. And once you, you worked out that area in your life, guess what? There's something else. There's always going to be something. And, and all this wisdom is not worldly wisdom, is not wisdom from man. It is from the Word of God. Even in Jesus' prayer, 
The prayer of Christ. Now, with that said, really quick, when people say the Lord's Prayer, our Father, all in heaven, thy kingdom come, that will be done. That is not the Lord's Prayer. That is the Lord's instruction how to pray. If you read it clearly, the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus in heaven answered. He says, when you pray, pray like this. But the Lord's Prayer, you want to read the Lord's Prayer? Read John chapter 17. That's when the Lord is praying. But here's a part of it. In John chapter 17, 17, the Lord Jesus prayed for us. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's how we're sanctified. So we can live godly lives. So who, and who's the word? Jesus Christ, right? And he's the truth, the truth. He's the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 2, and the acknowledgement of the truth, which according with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. We have a hope of eternal life. How many believe that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ? That is your hope. That is your hope. That is your hope. And again, in Jesus' prayer, John chapter 17, verse 3, this is what Jesus prayed. And this is eternal life. This is it. That they may know you, God the Father, the only true God, and he even mentions the name, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. To know God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. Repentance, believe, and follow Christ. Verse 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie promise before time began. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 it says this, it is impossible for God to lie. Do you know there's some things impossible for God? I know, it's kind of weird. I thought about that, you know, every time even saying it, nothing's impossible for God, but there's some things that God cannot do. It's lie. God cannot lie. Who's the father of lie? Satan. He's the father of lies. And then you, you get skeptics. They, I don't know if you ever get this question from skeptics. Can God create a rock so big that he can't move it? It's like you lost all reality of who God is. Obviously, they don't know who God is. The answer is because God is omnipotent. He could create a rock he can create any rock he wants to. And because he's powerful, he can lift any rock he creates. It's very simple. It's like they asked a question. You know, um, they asked a the man, when did you stop beating your wife? He said, I don't have a wife. <laughs> you know, they ask questions that just don't relate. To God is not subject to laws, and he created the laws of physics and science. So they come with these questions. But one thing God cannot do, God cannot lie. And let me tell you something. I am really happy about that. <laughs> I'm so excited. I worship and I believe in a God that he does not lie and he's a promise-keeping God. He makes promise and he keeps it. Whenever I read the scriptures, I am certain that what I'm reading is true. The promises are true. Though it may not make sense, though it goes beyond in, in the supernatural, it's true. And I love that verse. God cannot lie. Yes. So that means he could save 
a nutcase like me? Yes. That means I have eternal life? Yes. That means I can be saved like the apostle? Yes. It means there's a, there's a heaven? Yes. God cannot lie. Verse 3, but has in due time manifested or revealed his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. God revealed his message of salvation through preaching the word. It is the gospel message that was committed to the apostle Paul. And now Paul is committing this to his son, which we're about to see in verse 4, in the faith, Titus. Look at verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. There's only three people that the apostle Paul calls son. Multiple times he, he called Timothy, Timotheus, his son. Then you have Titus here, and he also has one called Onesimus that you'll find in the next book, Philemon. These are the only three in the scripture that the apostle Paul calls son in the faith. Obviously, if he calls him a son of faith, he led them to the Lord. He discipled them and treated them like a father, raising them up in the ways of God. To Titus, a true son of the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Paul greeting to Titus, the same as the greeting with Timothy. Now, usually Paul, when he writes his letter to the churches like Corinth, Galatians, Ephesians, he always writes grace and peace, the Siamese twins, grace and peace. You always find grace first, and then you find peace, not peace and then grace. He always starts with uh, grace and peace first when he writes his letters to the churches. However, he does something different with 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. He says grace, mercy, and peace. He includes mercy. Now, this greeting, grace and peace, was never used. Only the Apostle Paul, actually, he, 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 he created this greeting. He combined the greeting in the Greek, which is charis, charis, and shalom, peace. He combined them together because they're theological. They're theological. He invented this greeting. When you ever see grace and peace, the apostle Paul created that greeting because it's theological. But what he inserts with the pastoral epistles, the word mercy. So, Grace is this. Grace is this. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, which is God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve salvation. You and I, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve to be called children of God. What we do deserve is the wrath of God. That's what we deserve. But Jesus took that for us, you see. He took that for us on the cross. His blood was perfect. He was without sin. He was the son of God. He was the lamb of God. So when we look at grace, we say, whoa, yes, grace. That's what we say is amazing grace. That's like that, that hymn, amazing grace, because we don't deserve it. We deserve the wrath of God, but Christ took our place. He took on the wrath of God. Then mercy is holding back what you do deserve. What we do deserve, again, is the wrath of God. But through his mercy, through his son, when we received Christ, we repented, he held back the wrath of God because of his mercy, because of his grace. And then finally, we have the word peace. Peace. And one cannot have peace unless you have the grace of God. 
those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we were saved by grace through faith. We used the free will. The sovereignty of God that chose us, that created us from the very beginning, from the foundation. We used our free will. And because you have free will, by faith, by grace, not out of yourself, we were saved by grace through faith, not out of ourselves, lest any man should boast. And once you're saved through grace, then we can have peace. But there is no peace. You see the world out there? There's no peace. There's lawlessness going, not only in our country, around the world. There's no peace. Because they're not receiving the grace of God. God can only give you that grace. And only through grace, where once we have grace through Christ, then we have a peace. It tells us a peace in Philippians chapter 4, a peace that surpasses all understanding. All understanding. The most intelligent minds in the world don't understand why you're happy. Meanwhile, your world's falling apart. You got laid off your job. You, you, you got diagnosed with a disease. And, and you're still happy. Because why? Hey, I want to get to heaven. It's not going to be, I don't have to worry about a mortgage. I don't have to worry about visiting a doctor. I'm going to be a foot taller. You know, we don't have to worry. We're going to have a glorified body. Okay? And that's why Jesus came and left his throne of glory. To die on the cross for us. So we might be born again, saved. And have eternal life. Because good people don't go to heaven. Good people, I'm saying it. Good people do not go to heaven. There's a lot of good people by man's definition of what is good. But they hate God. They're atheists. The only people that enter the kingdom of heaven. Those that have been saved. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ the Lord. Personal Savior. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father. No one goes to heaven except through me. Not through Mary. Not through rituals. Not through religion but through Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I know we're excited to continue our journey through the epistle of Titus. We pray, Lord Father, that you continue to speak to us. Lord, may you have your way. We need to die to ourselves daily. As John the Baptist said, I must, I must decrease and the Lord must increase. We must die to ourselves, deny ourselves and carry the cross. So, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit be with us. Shape us and mold us to be like your son, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. I pray that we learn and we take to heart what's written in your word. Some 2,000 years ago, still applies for us today. The same people that are in there in Crete are here today. We ask, Lord, Father, that we may be shaped and molded by your Holy Spirit. Strip away the things that don't look like your son. We may be more and more like Christ. Help us, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And all God's people say, amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We're currently in the book of Titus, where Paul is encouraging this young pastor to keep the faith. They're on an island that might seem overwhelming in reaching the lost with the news of Jesus. Do you feel that way too? You're trying to connect with people and help them see a better way, but the world and its pressures keep pressing in and it can feel a bit overwhelming. Keep leaning into messages like this one in God's Word. We're so glad you decided to join us. And here's Jessica letting you know how you can partner with us in this ministry. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. 
Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it's runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on the website. Just click the Back to Homepage button for that information. That's all for today. But join us again next time here on Running the Race.